Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Um, so the view that I remember is this one, okay? the On the left-hand side is the statement that I remember being read at the temple when I first received my garment. It's the one that I remember reading as a bishop every time you issued someone with a new temple recommend. Uh, wearing the garment is the sacred privilege of those who have taken upon themselves the covenants with the temple. The garment is a reminder of these covenants and when worn properly will serve as a protection against temptation and evil. It is expected that members will wear the garment both night and day according to covenants made in the temple. Members should not adjust the garment or wear it contrary to the instructions in order to accommodate different styles of clothing, even when such clothing may be generally accepted. The garment should not be removed either entirely or partially to work in the yard or for other activities that can reasonably be done with the garment worn properly beneath clothing. Members who have made covenants in the temple should be guided by the Holy Spirit to answer for themselves personal questions about wearing the garment. These sacred covenants are between the member and the Lord and the proper wearing of the garment is an outward expression of an inward commitment to follow the Saviour Jesus Christ. So I have a story in relation to this. I have a close family member who um, who is the uh, is married to a spouse that is not a member, um, and they they um, had previously they'd gone through the temple, but it was awkward for them to wear their temple uh, temple garments of a night time, um, and so they would wear them all day long, and they had no problems in answering any of the temple recommend questions. Um, except for the fact that they couldn't really wear their temple garments of a night time. So they went to the bishop and explained all of this and said, there's no issues with anything else and I'll wear them all day long, but I just really have a difficulty. I don't want to put any pressure on marriage. And the bishop said to them that they would not be able to have a temple recommend. And they consequently couldn't come to um, my my wedding um, as a result of it. So, you know, these and, and the bishop in question is a lovely guy. But this is this is roulette. This is you know that's what yeah. happens. You see, I know I know sisters who have husbands who aren't members and have just not gone to the temple for that reason because the bishop would say, "No, your your husband doesn't need to be seeing those things," and yeah, you we we don't want you to go to the temple because we don't want to put you in the position of not being able to fulfil your covenant by not wearing your garment because. You don't want your husband to see the garment. So six one after the other. But I totally agree. It's Bishop Roulette because for me, I would just say, go to the temple. If your husband asks about it, just tell him. You know, you're, you're, the benefit, the, like the cost-benefit analysis of your husband thinking it's a bit weird and the benefit of the celestial kingdom kind of outweighs that, mm. if, if that's what you believe. Julian. Um. It's a bit silly, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just reading, just reading that bit at the end, the sacred covenants are between the member and the Lord. Okay, well, that's good, so don't judge me. I'll let the Lord judge me. Thank you very much. And the proper wearing of the garment is an outward expression of an inner commitment to follow the Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's just daft, isn't it? Can you imagine ending this life and going to meet the Saviour? to give a report of your your mortal sojourn and him saying, but did you wear the special pants 
Julian. <laughs> you wear the special pants. No, you didn't. So sorry. You can be on the left hand with all the goats. You know. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm drinking coffee. Well, yeah. the, the in- I, I, this stuff really makes me angry because it's 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 nuancing up. It's starting to remove words, but it's not going far enough to be a clear change. The temple endowment itself, I'm sure, still tells you you have to wear it night and day. Um, so that's something we'd need to double check because there are instructions in the no, endowment. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Jana Reese just here. I took this from her mm. article, Clear as Mud. Uh, the link to the article is in the description yeah. below. And she says that the removal mm. of night and day is instructed in the endowment from the temple recommended interview resolves a weird problem that was present for years. The endowment ceremony itself didn't explicitly have people covenant Ooh. to wear the garment night and day. The mm. night and day language was added to the temple recommended interview process in 1976. Um, is it language in the endowment isn't it you are instructed so i don't even think you you make a covenant says you are instructed to wear it throughout your life yeah yeah well that means night and day doesn't it you know it's the word you're wearing it throughout your life you wear it now you have been you've been endowed with with a priesthood garment thing that's referenced in the endowment it's the symbol of your your constant covenant commitment there's no option in the endowment anywhere for you. I'm going to only wear it on Sundays. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not how what its symbolism is or anything. It's meant to be a permanent thing. Um, so th- this is this is the just really shameful half measures. This is what happens when your religion is run by committees. You know, mm-hmm. so somehow there are some major heated debates in some several layers of committees in the in the church office building and this is the compromise they've arrived at but it's all cloak and daggers it's all some people are in the know of what this is actually meant to mean some of it not you know no one ever tells us certainly no one ever tells us in britain because we're miles away from the insiders working at the office building who can kind of leak information to us in a chat it, it's all it's all just abdication of responsibility left right and center from the apostles to actually do their bloody job and just teach plain and precious truths and if they're going to change these things about garments or temple these things that we've been told to treat as the most important the highest responsibility of our religiosity they need to be clear about that because if otherwise it just shows they don't really care it is a stupid corporation run by committees and lawyers because they do reckless stuff like this and don't bat an eyelid and then don't bother to explain it. And it negates the entire point of the restoration, which is to have clarity, which is to have truth, which is to have plain and precious truths, which is to have things actually mean something, which is to have ordinances that are eternal ordinances, or why on earth bother if you're just going to keep tweaking them. And President Nelson has now taught that they can continue making any changes they want to the temple and it will continue to happen. He said that yeah. um, in recent and talk sure. or something. Um, but but with no justification, no religious justification, no doctrinal justification for that, beyond the, their new mean... mantra that it's always the living prophet who who's the priority. Yeah. I don't think you it know. necessarily needs justification um, 
from from kind of a religious point of view. Uh, you know, I, th I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, well, actually, when the garment was introduced, you know, it wasn't re it wasn't a big deal. Although, having said that, I know I was reading a an art. Uh, I was reading something recently that was quite early on and it was talking about people not altering the garment. So, you know, I, I guess it was still, uh, you know, even when it was first introduced, maybe it was a little, seemed a bit weird to some people. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is I've got an issue with them saying, well, actually, this kind of thing now, it's a bit outdated. It doesn't really fall in line with current thinking. But just say something. That That's what I would like. Mm. Just say something. Yeah. Actually, yeah. look, you know, in mm. a conference talk, say... This is this was the expectation beforehand, and most people, you know, um, kind of were, were happy with that. But actually, we're seeing now that there are issues with it. For goodness sake, talk about yeast infections if you want to. You know, we, we can take it. Mm. We can take that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want one. No, no, I mean, mm. I don't want one. Just the conversation about it. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, do, do you know what I mean? It, it, again, it's this thing where we, we, we tweak things and we change things, but there's n almost like no um, acknowledgement of it, you know, which could be seen as gaslighting. Um, to the contrary, you usually have some kind of smoothing line, which is there's always been this way or, um, you know, the, mm, yeah. um, the profit. This never is what we price. do, not this is what we teach. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, mm. I, I think the interesting thing is we just read the, uh, I guess, the temple garment instructions that I was used to. Now they've boiled it down to this uh, that's on the screen now. April 6, 2019, the new temple recommend, the letter came from the president, first presidency with the new temple recommend questions and this new um, shortened version that they were to read to people. Um, so it's pretty much the same, apart from they've taken away the yard work and they've taken away um, wearing it night and day. But they've not said we've taken away wearing it night and day. This is why they've just taken it away. I spoke to my mm. brother-in-law, who's a bishop, and asked him about it when I was trying to find the letter. And he said to me, no, I'm sure it still says night and day. And whilst he was on the phone, I found it. And, you know, he was even shocked that night and day wasn't there. And, you know, maybe he's reading an older version. I don't know. But it seems like the membership, unless, you know, unless they, they see it in their face, everyone assumes it's the same night and day. So they can change things under the radar until it's really pointed out because they don't do it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Two things. One, again, the people that are really scrupulous lose out again so those that are um constantly mm. assessing whether they need to go above and beyond will always end up losing out because they'll err on the side of caution um and then secondly of course yeah they don't ever say anything so that's why i mean my one of my temple experiences was so i don't know how many young females now wear garments with a bra over the top but that was a really really common thing when i was you know 18 yeah. 19 years old um that you know a lot of people and they would say things like well it keeps it in place 
but you knew that there was an element of being told that that's what you should do. I had a brilliant state president that said to me, you don't need to do that and was very categoric and said, that's not what you need to do. But I was the sort of person that would ask those questions when people didn't necessarily want to talk about it. But when you've got an older generation that are in the temple and you ask them something like that, they are going to say, yes, that's the way you do it. The same as your brother-in-law, whoever, who as far as he's concerned, mm. if somebody asked him night and day, he's going to say yes, because that's what was in it when he was there. Mm. Yeah, because you need to have the, the uh, garment yeah. next to your skin. You need to have the markings next to your skin. So the, the bra has to go mm. over the top and any pants have to go over the top because you have to have the, the garments next to your skin or they don't work, mm. you know, because they're not that clever to get around a bra. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I read something today when I was researching that uh, they do say now you can wear your bra or your normal underwear underneath the garment. Um, so, yeah. But because we've been taught as well to not research Mormon things, who is going to go looking to look for that stuff? Who's going to say, can I wear my bra over? Because you would be terrified of coming across something else that you shouldn't do. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing. If you got all your instructions in the 1960s, I just think of, you know, half the members of my ward, there is no way they are keeping track of online Mormon media and dialogue and discussion. No one at church is going to tell them anything different to what they were taught by the missionaries in the 1960s or when they went through for the endowment. And this yeah. is why we have the leadership roulette and, and for women particularly, because they're not, you know, they, you know, there might be some updated training for priesthood leaders, but female leaders who women will go to for advice or guidance um to about something as personal as your underwear which they might not be keen to go to priesthood leader to they may well not have heard anything new since the 1970s about it all and they'll just get told you know and yeah. our wards are teeming with really fundamentalist female old old women you know yeah. who 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 have not clocked that anything has changed for decades yeah and and, and if you do the maths there are one there are around 100,000 men in our church globally who do temple recommend interviews so you have all the men you have about thirty thousand congregations with a bishopric a bishop and two councillors you have several thousand stake presidencies and any of them can also of those three men can do temple recommend interviews so you have one hundred thousand men who all are the one in the room who you go to and have that conversation with, who decides your temple recommend worthiness. There is no way that 100,000 men in every country of the church are being told this or that there is a new subtle difference. You know, yeah. it's just not happening. And this is the, and this happens in every issue, every doctrine, every practice of the church. And they're constantly tweaking and they think they've got it all battened down, but they, there are there are hundreds of completely incompatible cultures within the religion, some of them more fundamentalist, some of them more, more loose. And I think this is why this has been such an important thing to kind of explore and discuss, to track how much these basic things have radically changed over the years. All of the ordinances of the temple have been significantly messed around with what the garment is or means or anything about it has all been changed and contradictory messaging and all the rest of it you know and this is this is a problem and they the leaders don't take responsibility and the language they use even was 
well, we don't do this. They talk about things as if it's just a cultural thing. And it's all evolving into what they criticize the Catholics for doing, where mm -hmm. tradition becomes the cause of the doctrine. Oh, we always do it this way, therefore it must be okay. Not, I know for sure that this is doctrinally sound and here's the reasons why, and I've had a revelation about it. It's yeah. we Mormons do this, we do that. People take the sacrament with their right hands. No yeah. explanation recently I did to the handbook. It, it It's just negligence. It's laziness. It's not committing. And it's leaving it to the apologists, to the the people fighting, slugging it out in the bloggernacle to actually come up with reasons and defences for these things that the leaders will not take responsibility for doing and teaching. Yeah, and but you know why? And changing. I mean, apologists are disposable. Apologists... Yeah, if, if, exactly. if, if an apologist yeah. says something that turns out to be painfully untrue mm. or false, the church mm. can event, can just say, well, that was his opinion. But if an apostle was to stand there mm. and say the same thing, they're, no. they're, not, mm. they're not as disposable. I disagree. Apostle, yeah. Apostles and prophets are completely disposable, aren't they? Because it's only the current ones that count. Well, yeah. No. They do not without collateral. Mm. You're going to have some collateral damage there. But with mm. conversely, you can have your apologists that are testing the ground. If they make headway, if you've got someone like Terrell Givens, for instance, that if he decided to set up as a prophet himself, he would have his own church because I know so many people that flock to mm. the things that he says. So he, they can test mm. that all out. And then if that works, that can be regurgitated in the next uh, mm. conference by them. Did anyone ever watch The West Wing? yes oh no okay the, the, the west wing is a political Every drama episode based in um the white house but it's very true to life as to what happens politically in the white house and really um gives a, a laid bare kind of thing of how they socially engineer their policies um using surveys and different things and they say something about putting a kite up you know, or putting a pole in the field. So putting a kite up, mm. basically, they'll start putting something out there and see if it flies. And I think that's what the church do. Mm. They'll have the apologists put out there the feelers and see how everyone reacts to it. And eventually that apologetics in 20 years time will become mm. gospel principles manual. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's that sort of slow change. Um, but as well, the pole in the field we know um, that the church is survey heavy and that that's how revelation works. And we're about to look at that now. Um, so you can see here, I have circled or I guess squared um, in different colors, mm. um, all these different sentences. And you'll see why in a moment. So two weeks ago in the middle of the, or late in the evening, I received a survey from the church. I don't know why they still send them to me, but I always love filling them in um, with less than helpful answers. And this survey, it was almost kismet, you know, the Holy Spirit sent it to me. Mm -hmm. um, so the questions, you know, uh, were different. So the, you can see me, I just took screenshots as we went along the first question before receiving your endowment did you participate in a temple preparation course yes i did um have you received your own endowment in a temple of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints yes could you imagine answering no to that like that i have but it wasn't in one of your churches it was a rip-off catholic one 
Um, okay. Uh, about when did you receive your endowment? So you can see already they're setting up the kind of um, the the area in, era in which you received your endowment and how, how you're going to feel about these things going forward. So we're already being sorted. PD, can I just say that with that, have you received your own endowment in a temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Right. Where else do you get the term endowment in other churches? You don't, you, from, to my knowledge, if you said to somebody in the Catholic Church, have you taken out your endowments? Or if you, it's very, very um, our language in the restoration. So they are honing in to see which movement have you? You know, are you? Yeah. If not, possibly. you could be AUB, you could be Christchurch, you could be another fundamental movement, an independent. Yeah. No, that is a good, very good point. Um, so when you received your own endowment, how prepared were you to wear the temple garment? I put not sure because I couldn't remember, to be honest, but uh, they're, they're already gauging, you know, people's um, preparedness. Um, so we get colourful on the next one. So next you will see seven teachings about the temple garment. For each teaching, we ask how you feel, you understand it, and if you have any questions or concerns about it. Now, I've put the same coloured boxes and colour coordinated it with that message mm -hmm. that they give afterwards because what they've done is they've just broken it up sentence oh. by sentence and put it in a survey mm. to see if it's still any good and if they need to change it so to me this is how their revelation is working they're mm. thinking do we need to look at that again three years later because a lot mm. of people a lot of people online seem to not be wearing garments so i know let's put a poll in the field let's put a survey out there where we break down this instruction on how to wear the garment and figure out if people actually understand it so the questions um, the red question, the temple garment is a reminder of the covenants made in the temple. Orange, when worn properly throughout life, the garment will serve as a protection against temptation and evil. So it's literally verbatim. Um, yellow, the garment should be worn beneath the outer clothing. Green, the garment should not be removed for activities that can reasonably be done where, while wearing it. Uh, blue, the garment should not be modified to accommodate different styles of clothing. Purple endowed members should seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to answer personal questions about wearing the garment. That's the one that gets me. That's like the coverall, isn't it? Don't ask Bishop, just pray about it. And if you feel fine not wearing it, mm. don't wear it. Um, uh, magenta. Which would not go down well with most of the people giving you your temple recommend interview. Well, There's yeah. no way. <laughs> but it's, it's a sacred privilege to wear the garment and doing so is an outward expression of an inward commitment to follow the Savior, Jesus Christ. So after all of these, it kind of gave another little section where you, you could leave a comment if you were unsure um, or you had some extra concerns about it. But this just seems like the way they do it now. Um, go on, Come on. I'll just so want to chip on so one little, that, little thing okay. that just you know that that uh dad members should seek the guidance of the holy spirit to answer personal questions about wearing the garment i think you know that's that's fair enough um if it is a personal thing but it's not a personal thing is it? if you're married it's not a personal thing why do you wear your garments you know and you know it could be you know for years long before they'd kind of changed it long you know i was kind of encouraging laura um to sleep naked um 
because of yeast infections, obviously. Um, you know, but she was, you know, she wouldn't wouldn't countenance that because of the the you know what was put in the in the the temple recommend interview. You know, I could say, well, I feel that the Holy Spirit thinks that that's okay. You know, but she might think, well, the Holy Spirit thinks differently for me. Um, so maybe there should be some more explicit guidance. Yeah, I think there should be. I think it is. I think they'll, they'll probably think, oh, we're being too prescriptive and everything. But when you're being as prescri prescriptive as saying this is the exact underwear you should wear, it should come with instructions. You know what I mean? Like, And, and I think back in the day it did. Um, but now they're like, oh, no, that's a bit weird. And we'll just leave it up to the Holy Spirit to guide. Um, there was a survey. I'm pretty sure I've got remembering this correctly. There was a survey that was brought out um, several years back, you know, probably about eight years ago, um, that was different in that anybody could go on and, wow. um, and participate in it. And it was specifically about temple garments. Um, I certainly had one probably about eight years ago that was talking about would you prefer to wear vests and and pants and this was about eight years ago it was talking specifically wow. about yeah but I, that, at the time I was fully active so it wouldn't have even registered to me I think on, a bit like the gospel topics essays it wasn't kind of widely announced that you could go and, and you could do this survey but I'm pretty sure yeah. it was open to anyone to do in fact when I by the time I'd realized it I went on there and it had closed so you couldn't answer the questions but there was still a little thing to say well if you want to make any any comments that you, you can well no I think I genuinely think that this is going to just carry on down the slippery slope and get to the point where it is just endowed members should seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and mm. and that, that that will be it and and that they did that with contraception didn't they they yeah. they butted out i mean dalian oaks is trying to get back in there he started dropping things shaming fertile young couples not getting on with having babies into his talks but there after the 80s there was kind of a we're leaving that to you again because of a lot of pushback you decide you pray about what how you should go about contraception or have how many children you have that's up to you so they've got precedence for that so i agree with you pd i think that could definitely be something that they just kind of slop into to that category um i guess part of this survey would be to see if the new wording had reached people's consciousness i expect they'll do another one later yeah. like um at last endowed members should seek the guidance of the holy spirit that is that the new bit so if this survey came no, out recently no, that and was very new wording no that was in the last one um basically this okay. one the, the mm. 2019 one is just a boiled down version of the last one mm. without the night and day and the prescriptive example of yard work um but mm. i i yeah i think that uh we are on I think that it all fits with the church's or with Russell M. Nelson's thirst to realign the church with mainstream Christianity and that mm. less uh, intrusive, less, less church in the bedroom or in the underwear department, again, 
takes us closer and closer to the mainstream Christianity that he wants to be leading. If you know what I mean, like we're mm. we're moving. It's almost like we we were a far right political party and we're moving to the center ground. That's how I see it. Um, we were a far right religion, and over the decades, we're just moving closer and closer to the center ground of just nothingness, like mm. just just general um, boring run of the mill. Mm. Everything that mm. was unique, exciting, interesting <laughs> is just being dulled down to be efficient um, and not not as unique and not as mm. exciting. He still has polygamy yes. tethered to it. But, by but, but, yeah. yeah, that's still not going anywhere. He's still very much mm -hmm. in favour of that. Yeah. Um, can I? But can I come? He will be dead a... soon. <laughs> Oh, the silver lining. He'll be dead. That prophecy, Peter. <laughs> yeah, but you've got, you've got, yeah, I suppose, yeah, you've got Dallin H. Oaks who's going to... No, he'll be, he'll be dead and he's about to be succeeded by Dallin H. Oaks, who's looking very frail, but maybe he'll hang on long enough, who will absolutely go fundy with everything he can lay his hands on. And then Bednar, who's a super control freak and obsessed with clothing representing your outward spirit, your inner spirituality. Um, so if there is this move to the middle, what's then going to happen is not, um, you know, rediscovering the enriched, unique Mormonness of, of the good stuff. It will be the fundamentalists who will go absolutely double down on control freakery about really boring stuff. And who still, because they're not scriptorians, have no clue what, what their religion actually means or could become. Um, so it's going to be people actually being quite happy to be weird and unique, but without any framing of religiosity to make it meaningful, which we've we've been lamenting the loss of. Um, so I do think it's this is where I always come in with, with my stats stuff, is, you know, with the... Nelson's tenure is very short. We are facing the apocalypse as far as our leaders go with what they're going to do to stuff. And they will double down on on stuff they can control and clothing. And, you know, I bet any nuance is going to disappear rapidly, although it has apparently been Bednar who's been pushing for demystifying um, the temple and, and having these little YouTube films showing temple clothing and things. Um, so maybe he's got a bit of a clue there. But, I just, but again, we're talking about, just to sort of touch on the bigger picture again, we're talking about these gradual evolving changes happening to modernise and respond to surveys. None of it's happening fast enough. You know, there's no, this isn't a success strategy. By the time they reach a point of having some kind of meaningfulness, and all they're doing really is discrediting themselves, every time they make these changes, it adds another thing on the list for skeptics to feel these leaders are rudderless that they don't know what they're doing that they are following the world that they are hypocrites they keep talking about not following trends but they absolutely do um and and another sort of contradiction is the the obsession with being anti-tattoos in the church well the whole point of the garment is to permanently mark your body mm. it's really primitive cool tribal stuff it is to to have on your skin symbols that define who you are. Um, that you know, what is a tattoo? There's no difference. 
um, see, especially if you're meant to wear them night and day. I mean, that's that's hypocritical. Yeah. But the garment goes back to Western esotericism with uh, Joseph Smith's kind of uh, Jupiter talisman and a belief in uh, symbols and mystery and, and carrying them with you at all times. You know, a lot of people today, I know people who don't let their children watch Harry Potter because it's witchcraft and wizardry, and that is Satan. Mm -hmm. But they're wearing their garments, you know? Yeah, we, which we, is... we recently had like an apostle or something talk about how we it's no longer magic. What was it we were watching recently where there was, an, I thought it was Elder Bednar actually, that had said about the fact that it's not magic, you know, we, we kind of honor ritual, but it's not about magic when it absolutely was to do with magic to start with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is. It's rooted in that um, kind of folk magic world that the Smiths lived in and that this, you could, it's something you could carry with you that would be a shield and a protector. Um, and previously people would have carried talismans, crystals, rocks, all sorts of things, you know, and that now it's the garment and that, but people don't connect that anymore. Whereas that's what it is anyway. And um, could I just say along those lines, Peter, if you're saying that it's going to be pointless having these, these surveys that don't actually marry up because by the time people don't know what they're actually looking at anyway. And I think they could be meaningful if there was a conversation, if there was something that mm. came out a fifth Sunday where everyone was a letter, you know, you have the ability to send out a letter and have a, a fifth Sunday mm. conversation, like Ruth just said about changes, you know, on a fifth Sunday. Um, if you if you marry those two up and encourage people to understand the questions mm. and give people permission to have a bit of autonomy or even have a direct relationship with God, you know, but we are not encouraged to do that. If you sit in any gospel doctrine mm. class or most of our lessons, it is a we do this, we don't do that. Some people might do this, but not us. It's very much group think. There's never any conversations that say, how do individuals feel about this? And you get an opportunity to differentiate in your opinion. That never happens. We're not encouraged to do that. So when we're then posed with a question about it being between us and God, but there is potentially a right or wrong answer, it's terrifying because we don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I think we've I think we have beaten that dead horse well and truly. <laughs> I, I think we I think we've done a good job tonight, guys. Um, we've we've come through the washing and anointing from a full bath and lather up um, with a pint of oil to being fully dressed and just having your forehead anointed. And then we've discussed the garments, which are just going to get smaller and smaller, skimpier and skimpier. And I've always said, if they're such a protection, why don't we have garment like helmets made of garment material? Go the full knotted hanky. <laughs> and just have the, the head covered because that's the most important part or, or to have it there to stop evil thoughts going in um you know if we really wanted to have an outward commitment you know an, an outward expression that's it isn't it having sort of like a turban or something that's an outward expression having a little you know a little bit of a, an extra t-shirt on that's not really much of an outward expression um so I think yeah, go go full, full headgear. Go on, Julian. <laughs> I might be being cynical here, 
But I think, obviously, we know that there are lots of... I know, shocking, isn't it? Um, I know there are lots of kind of stories about um, them being a phys- actually being a physical protection. And, yeah. and, and that was that idea was perpetuated from the top by Brigham Young and kind of went on. But, um, you know, it's not... That wasn't the, the thing. It was, a, it was supposed to be a, a spiritual protection. Yeah. And I think the main spiritual protection is it's going to be very hard to have sex with somebody <laughs> when you're wearing them, you know, unless that person just happens to be wearing them as well. So it kind of, it's definitely an, you know, an unplanned adultery, um, like safety, isn't it? It's an ultimate cock block. No, it's planned. Your experience. <laughs> That's not an ultimate cock block. Yeah. Um, while, I'm, while I'm talking, can I just do a shout out to Elliot Heath? As well, it was came upon the the chat. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed there is a Heath takeover. Um, we're coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, awesome. Well, all the all the Heaths are welcome. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for this evening coming up um, in the next week. Obviously, yeah, keep hitting the like button. I think we are at what we're at now, fifty nine. Um, so before we end everyone could uh, just hit that like button. But uh, Mormon Missionary Discussions continues on Sunday where me and the wonderful Sister PD are going through the 1986 discussions. Uh, You can see the last one or the last two on the first and second discussions on the channel. And this week will be the restoration discussion number three. Um, But that's it from me. Peter, what's coming next from you? I'm watching that because episode two was hysterical. You and Mrs. PD are a comedy duo, so I can't recommend that highly enough. We had a blast watching that. Um, I'm editing episode 10D of Mormon Civil War. So I'm hoping to get that out in the next few days. I always say that and it's a week or a fortnight, but it is on its way. Um, And yeah, so plowing through still uh kind of responding to brad wilcox speaking to the sunderland england stake which was really interesting and then getting into what he said in america at the alpine thing that kicked off a a storm um and trying to also give voice to to some of the other british podcasters and others around the world as well so there'll be a few quotes and bits from some of their work in that episode um awesome yeah so busy busy on it as always Fantastic. And the Heaths have been extremely busy for they are organising a festivity of activities this October. Um, and I'll hand over to them to tell us more. Okay. There you go. Okay. So um, Sunstone, um, originally it's in the US and they've just finished off their um, four and a half day um Sunstone event, which is amazing over there. They have it's jam packed, and we kind of like hijack a little bit of it after afterwards. And we've managed to kind of been doing this annually for the last few years now. So this year it's going to be again in October, the Friday the seventh. So we're going to start on Friday um, afternoon evening um, until Sunday, and we're going a little bit later till probably about five o'clock on the Sunday, the ninth of October. So Friday. Um, the 7th to Sunday the 9th of October um, it's it's cram-packed we've got so much going on there are discussion groups there are presentations 
we have Marco who has um, agreed that he's going to be doing um, some uh, salsa or swing dancing with us on the Friday night. We've got Lindsay Hanson Park who's going to be talking to us about polygamy. We've got John Hamer who's doing the who's going to be there in person, and Lindsay's going to be there in person doing the faith crisis, uh, doing the um, Mormon succession crisis. Lots and lots of just loads of events. PD, you're going to be there. Absolutely, and Sister and PD. Lovely. And Peter and Lynn, you're going to be there? Yes. Yep, we yep. need to get our tickets. We've, yeah. got, 21st, <laughs> we've got 21st Century Saints. Sanford, we've got Sanford, the hotel. Yes. Okay. So the hotel is at the Greswold Arms, which is where it is, was last year, which is in Solihull, West Midlands. It's not very far from, which is not very far from um, uh, lots of train links and uh, Birmingham Airport if you're coming in from Europe. Um, if you want any more information, get in touch with us or go to the Sunstone UK website um, page for that. Yeah, this, this so last year was fantastic. This year is going to be even better. This is the first time um, since the whole COVID thing that we've been able to really kind of um, plan it properly without having to worry about any of the restrictions that may or may not be in place. It's the first time that we've been able to have um, some of the people from our, our friends from across the pond actually come in um and uh, and attend as well there's going to be something there for everybody um there's going to be entertainment in the evenings um and so just um go on the the sunstone the main sunstone um website you can register there join us in october it's going to be fantastic yeah tickets can be purchased on there and you can go to the greswold arms if you tell them you're part of sunstone they can give you a discount but um do it sooner rather than later because otherwise they will um they will uh, price out yeah but don't do it too soon because we haven't booked ours yet five rooms left yesterday when i looked five rooms okay right um well, yeah double, double but if, if you uh if you can't get a room at the greswold arms then there are lots of other places uh, nearby so don't worry about it too much yeah really good Airbnb. yeah we'll say that again there's some great Airbnbs in the area. Yeah. Yeah. We, there's quite a few around. And let us know. We'll put out another um, frequently asked questions page soon. We're just getting around to emails um, at the moment. But yeah, if you yeah. if you are, we've got a couple of slots, I think, for presenters. And you get a bit of a discount if you um, on the tickets if you present. Oh, her batteries awesome. have run out. And that's enough from the heats. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. Um, Sunstone is going to be amazing, and I can't wait to be there this year again. If anyone is thinking Sunstone is like either too scholarly or anything like that, Sunstone UK is very different from Sunstone in Salt Lake in a very good way. We have the scholarly stuff, but we also have the fun stuff, and the evenings are amazing yeah just come along have a great time uh we'll all be there and we all look forward to seeing you but for this evening i think we're done see ya hey well done pd bye. thank you see ya, bye <laughs>